Um, and you guys already said that he talked about Zechariah. Okay, and what was the point of that? What, are, what was it that he was waiting for? A sheep? <laughs> no, John. Um, what was he waiting for? No, Isaac. <laughs> what was Zechariah waiting for? Jesus. No, but yes, but no. What was he waiting for in our series? Waiting for what? Yeah, who was that? Charlie? Get it, girl. Waiting for a word from God. That's what last week was. Okay, so I just wanted to take a second to recap. Um, last week, we opened up a series called Waiting for Christmas. And this week, I am finishing it off. Isaac and I always do an Advent series. He takes a week, I take a week. And um, we started one last week called Waiting for Christmas. And basically, he talked all about waiting for a word from God. When you're in a season where you feel like you don't have any answers, and you've been waiting for God to tell you something, and he finally gives you that word, that's what he preached on last week. And this week, I'm going to be finishing up the series with a different one. Does anybody have any guesses? Hall of Faith? Hall of Faith? No. Well, I sent you a graphic that said waiting for Christmas. Yes, but it, that's not, that doesn't say it on it. So last week was waiting for a word from God. And this week I'm talking about waiting on fulfillment of that word. And so I'm going to be talking about what do you do in the waiting season between when God has told you something or when you feel like God has something for your life and you're not there yet. And so that's what I'm going to be talking about all tonight. Stop, Luke. <laughs> okay, he's doing this face. I don't know how to explain it. Okay, his face was like this. Okay, we need to learn to wait well, because just like presents wrapped underneath a Christmas tree, most of our lives are spent waiting for something. Who here is waiting for something? Yes, we're freaking all waiting for something. John's waiting to die, okay? <laughs> gotcha. Okay, 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 okay. The whole world, if we're not waiting for one thing, we're waiting for another thing. That's my point with saying that. Because the whole world has been waiting for Jesus to come back 2,000 years. And every single generation has been like, it could be this one, I have a feeling. Every single generation has said that. Because when Jesus left, he's like, I'm coming back soon. And it's been 2,000 years. So... Romans 8.23 says, not only is creation groaning, but we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait for the adoption as sons and the redemption of our bodies. That's basically what John's talking about. Wow, you really are quick, Katie. Calm down. <laughs> um, basically, meaning we're all, what, what is happening back there? Okay. Basically meaning we're all waiting for the adoptions of sons. We're all waiting to get the heck out of here. Not only that, but the Bible talks in Isaiah 30, 18, after talking 
about a rebellious people, it says, the Lord waits to be gracious for you, to you, and therefore he exalts himself to show mercy on you. So meaning that God is also waiting. He's waiting for us a lot of the time. Truthfully, he's waiting for us. And so um, we, learn, we need to learn to wait well, and we're in good company because God is also waiting a lot of the time. I think something that... I think this is something that we can relate to in our everyday life. If we're not waiting for all, through all of our teen years to get the heck out of our parents' house, if we're not waiting to graduate high school, if we're not waiting for prom or winter ball, or if we're not waiting for one thing, it's another thing through your high school years. And um, the list goes on. And um, the word wait, kind of, I feel like when we hear the word wait, we kind of do this a little bit. I really don't like that. Uh, there's like a negative connotation that comes with the word wait. But let's be honest, it's hard to wait. It's hard to wait for things, and the longer that you have to wait, sometimes the more excruciating it becomes. Um, last week, Isaac talked all about a promise from God and what happens when God tells you something and then you have to wait, and then wait, and then wait. It can be painful, right? I think we get to the point to where we, we're fine with waiting for a little bit. And the more stretching that we do, the longer we're okay with waiting. But um, we kind of start to hit breaking points. And, and it shows how, how content we are the longer that we can go before we start to feel that pain. But let me, let me give you an example from my own life just to show you. A one from when I was in high school, so it's relevant. <laughs> Um, when I was in high school, God told me that I would have close friends. And at the time, um, I had not had close friends since I was little. When I was little, I had really close friends, and then we moved to Butte when I was a freshman, and I really struggled for a while. I mean, I didn't have anybody I was close to, and then when I got saved, I really didn't have anybody I was close to. And so um, I just went through high school, and I felt like God told me. I, I cried out to him, and I was like... God, am I ever going to have any friends? Anybody that I, like, I'd see other people, you know the people, people who are like best friends and they're going around and they just have this thing and you just feel like you don't have that with anybody. And you're like sitting there and you look at them and you're like, me. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> I would see, I, I was cl close with a lot of people, but I wasn't best friends with anybody. And um, I felt like God told me that he would give me best friends and that would be soon. And then I waited. And then I waited and waited and waited. Um, and he told me, be faithful with who you're given. Trust me, I'm going to give you really good friends. And I would be waiting. And I would be friends with people. It's not like I was like this jerk, like nomad. Nobody wants to be friends with me. I was friends with a lot of people. It's just my relationship with them was like I would give and they would take. And therefore we'd be close because I would give and they would take. Does that make sense? Have you ever been in a friendship where you just feel like you're there for them, you're doing your thing, you're being an encouragement to their lives, and they just take, and you guys are friends because, you know, because you're a good person or because God's told you to do it, or in my case, God told me to be faithful, and so I was, but there was just a pain in my heart because I didn't have that friendship that was super close. And I just felt like I looked around all the time, and I was like, I just don't have anybody that I can pour my heart out to. And it was really painful for me. And so I waited, and waited, and waited, and waited. Um, 
the more time went by, the more pain I began to feel. Um, you know, when I was in high school, it was the thing, the MySpace was the thing. And I was never somebody's number one, okay? I was always like number two or number three. I was always like people's friends, but I was never like, you know, the mutual number one in the MySpace top eight. <laughs> Tom was my number one. No, you guys don't understand that. <laughs> you guys don't understand. Um, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, I want to give an example from the Bible now that I gave an example for myself of, of waiting. And this is kind of an example of what it looks like to not do a good job at waiting and what oftentimes can happen to us. There's a lot of times um, in the Bible that it talks about people who didn't wait and they gave up and they were really, um, they didn't wait because of this, that, or the other thing. But this is an example that I really felt for tonight. It's not an example of somebody who just, you know, didn't want to wait because he was afraid of what people thought. It wasn't this idea of an external was trying to make him feel a certain way so he didn't want to wait because of these people around him. But this is a wait that he didn't want to do because of pain. And this is really what I felt like for tonight. Um, Genesis 15:5, God gives Abram, who Abraham and Sarah, if you're ever wondering... Abraham and Sarah are the same people as Abram and Sarai. I know it's very confusing because people get renamed a lot in the Bible. But, so I might switch back and forth between Abraham and Abram and Sarah and Sarai. And usually I'll say Abraham and Sarah, but just so you know, same person. It's just God renames them. Um, so Genesis 15.5. Where is it? I'm sure Katie's got it up there already. Um, I'm doing... Um, the, I believe it's ESV. Let me double check. Yeah, ESV. Okay, 15.5. Okay, so basically, at this time, Abram, Abraham, uh, he is like, yo, God, I'm really struggling here. I don't have any kids. I'm like 80 years old. What's the deal, man? And God, this is God's response to him. So he says, And he brought him outside, meaning God took Abraham outside and said, look toward heaven and the number of stars. If you are able to number them, then he said, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and counted it to him as righteousness. So basically, God's like, Abraham, you're going to have a crap ton of children. Don't worry about it. And Abraham believed him. But then he waited. And like a lot of us, Like, that's a really big promise. I mean, you look at the stars, there's a lot of freaking stars up there. And God was like, there's going to be that many descendants of yours. And Abraham's like, wow, that's a lot of kids. I guess I better get on this, you know, because that's a lot of kids. But um, so he waited, and he was faithful for a long time. But as as time went on, pain began to set in because of a lack of fulfillment of the promise. And he waited and waited and waited for that promise. And he was 100 years old. And the promise still hadn't come. Um, so he tried to find a loophole, like a lot of us do when we're in pain. Um, Genesis 16, 1 through 2. Okay, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. So go to my servant, and it 
so that way I may obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. So basically, in that culture, which was weird culture, um, <laughs> they were able to use their servants. So if I had a servant, I could say to Isaac, if I had no kids, listen, have sex with my servant, and I'll call that my child, and that'll be our child together. It's a weird culture, but that's the way they did it back then if they were, like, really rich or whatever. And so, um, so that's what she did, because technically, if you read before this, in, 15, in chapter 15, it never says that Sarah would be the, the mother of his children, technically. It doesn't say that. So Sarah's like, listen, man, I know God's told us this thing. I know that this is what he said, but here's the deal. I'm not pregnant. I'm not getting pregnant anytime soon. Just have sex with my maidservant, and we'll call that our, our child. That's like the thing that all rich people do around here, and we'll just do it because this is the fulfillment of the promise, right? Because, like, here we are. It's an embarrassment to not have children in that, in that time frame. And not only that, but it was a lack of fulfillment of the promise of God. I mean, God told them that they would have kids and they still didn't have kids. Can you imagine how painful and embarrassing that would be to be old and like, can you imagine John and Don, if they never had kids at their age, they're like, yeah, God told us we're gonna have kids. They would be the laughing stock of Butte. They would be the laughing stock because there's no way that they could have kids right now. And that's what it was for Abram and Sarah. And they were like, listen, God never technically told us that it would be through Sarah. So maybe you should just take my maidservant and that can be our kid. And this was their loophole away of through the promises of God because technically he didn't say that. And a lot of times when we're going through a lot of pain, we can try to find the loopholes from what God's told us to do. So that's what they did. Okay, let's circle back here. Um, they were 86, she was 86 years old when Sarah's maidservant had Ishmael, which is the child of Sarah's, you know, maidservant. And Genesis 17, 15 through 19. Okay, let's see. Okay, so that just happened, you know, with, um, with Ishmael. They have a kid, and life's kind of settled down, Abraham and Sarah are like, okay, this is it. This is the best it's going to be. But Sarah's a little angry at her maidservant because her maidservant could get pregnant and she couldn't. And she's still a little angry and in her heart, there's still unfulfillment. And so, but, they, but they're calling this their kid. And they've got this idea that this is it. This is the promise. You know, this is the way life is going to be. And then God shows up because it was painful for them. They, they decided to take another route, but then God shows up. Okay. Genesis 17, 15 through 19. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah, and, her, and that shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations' king, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old, and Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So um, God reminded him that he sidestepped the process of what God had in store. He said, listen, I told you that I would give you a son. I told you that I would have nations under your name. 
and Sarah's the way that I want to do it. And at that point, Abraham had kind of been like, okay, this is the best it's going to be. I've got Ishmael. And then, and then God intervened and said, there's more. And um, you, want to know, you guys want to know what ended up happening? They finally gave birth when he was 100 years old. Isn't that insane? Can you imagine? John's not even close to 100 years old. <laughs> not even. <laughs> he's closer than me, but he's not close. <laughs> um, sometimes it can be more painful to believe what God says. Abraham and Sarah believed God, but their pain led them to, to try to fulfill God's words by themselves. And this is the thing, is that sometimes, most of the time, God will give you a promise that only he can fulfill, meaning we can't make it happen. And that's what Sarah and Abraham tried to do. They, they were in so much pain in their hearts because of the unfulfillment of the promises of God that they tried to find a loophole to try to make it happen because to take away their own pain. We need to stop trying to find loopholes to get ourselves out of pain. Pain is a part of life, and waiting and pain oftentimes go hand in hand. It could be making friends with the wrong crowd of friends. You know, for, for you guys, if you're like, how does this even apply to my life? Loopholes thing. You could be trying to find friends of your own and saying, listen, you know, if, if the thought process is I want friends, God's told me I'm going to have friends, I could have very easily gone out and gotten friends with a bad group of people and done stuff I shouldn't have been doing. I went to Butte High. There was plenty of people who were doing things they shouldn't have been doing. I could have done that very easily and sidestepped what God told me to try to fulfill it in my own because of my pain. So it could be making friends with the wrong crowd. It could be having a relationship with a boy or girl that you shouldn't be having because you feel lonely and in pain because you know there's somebody out there for you, but you're trying to just be happy and you're never happy just with somebody that you try to find on your own. That could be it. I mean, it could be so many different things. It could be trying to, you know, get your parents to kick you out so that way you can live by yourself. It could be so many different things that you're trying to sidestep around what God wants for you. But there is another way. We can learn, and I really believe this, you guys, we can learn to wait well. It's possible for us, and especially with the Holy Spirit, it's possible for us. Um, I believe that this story in Luke, which is, you're probably thinking to yourself, what's this have to do with the birth of Jesus? This is about Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament. This has nothing to do with Jesus' birth. Well, I'm getting there, so suck it. Um, so we're going to kind of switch paces from what it looks like to, to let pain guide your weariness and guide you towards sidestepping the plan of God. And we're going to start to see somebody. The next example is how to wait well and how we can glean from people in the New Testament who did it well and who did it right. Okay, so Luke 2, here it comes, here it comes. Luke 2, 25 through 28. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little context. Jesus was born. There it is, the Advent part. Jesus was born. Hallelujah. The Savior of the world was born. And after Jesus' circumcision, totally Advent, <laughs> 
After Jesus' circumcision, um, Mary and Joseph had to wait 40 days because Mary was technically unclean. They called it in their culture, basically meaning she was bleeding after she gave birth. So they had to wait 40 days, and then they went to the temple, which is like the place that they did their burnt offerings. It's the place that they met with Jesus, like with the Lord because they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. And so um, they had to wait 40 days and then go to the temple and offer sacrifices for the mom's purification, basically to say, listen, she's good. Okay, the baby's done. It's over. She's good. Basically, that's what that meant. <laughs> um, so this story takes place when Joseph, Mary, and little baby Jesus were in the temple to sacrifice to God. And so that's kind of the, the, the context. They had just journeyed to Jerusalem, which is a big city, and they went to the temple to go offer a couple of birds as a sacrifice. So basically, they brought these birds, they got Jesus, and they're going to do their little sacrifice, basically say, Mary's good, she's good. And so... Um, that's, the, uh, that's kind of what's going on when we pick this up. And so there's this dude who kind of comes and this girl who kind of comes. So basically they're, they're in the temple and they're getting ready to do their sacrifice when this happens. Okay. Okay. So starting off in, um, let me see where I said, 25 through 38. Okay. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation, which consolation, another word for that, because that's a pretty big word, is like comfort, waiting for the comfort, because they were, the Israelites were under a lot of, um, a lot of oppression at the time. So this word consolation means comfort. Okay, just so you guys know. Um, waiting for the comfort, consolation, of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him which is cool. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the, and he came in the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit talked to him and said, yo, go to the temple. So he came in the Spirit to the temple when the parents, meaning Mary and Joseph, brought the child Jesus to, to do for him according to the custom of the law. And he took it, which is the purification thing. Um, and he took him up in his arms, so he took Jesus up in his arms, and he said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, meaning himself, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, and you have, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled about what was said about him, and his mother and Simeon blessed them and said to his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for, the sign, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword shall pierce through your own soul also, and so, thought, and so that thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Basically meaning, so that, that's basically he prophesies, meaning he tells the future. Jonathan. Meaning he tells the future about Jesus. And he said, listen, this dude is the dude. This dude is the salvation for all of Israel. And not just that, but for the Gentiles, which is a precursor to post-Jesus when um, the, the gospel is revealed to all the people in the whole world. And so he's like, this guy is the guy who's the salvation for the Jews, the Gentiles, everybody. And that last bit is basically him saying, 
but it comes with a price because Jesus is gonna reveal the hearts of people and people will fall and people will rise based off of Jesus and he's gonna, he's gonna hurt your heart, Mary, and he's gonna hurt his own heart, meaning he's gonna die and it's gonna really hurt Mary. So basically he says that. Okay, so these two, Anna and Simeon, were older people. So like Simeon was an older dude, Anna, you find out, is a really old woman. And um, they waited well. We're going to read the last bit of it, so that way we can hear Anna's part. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of, I don't know who that guy is, Flamel? Flamel? I don't know. Nicholas Flamel? No? Nobody? Harry Potter? Um, the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin until a widow when she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up that very hour, meaning the same hour as Simeon, she began to give thanks to God and to speak to him, and to speak of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Basically meaning this, this dude, this girl Anna, she um, married this dude when she was younger and she lived with him for seven years and then the dude died. So uh, think about it. Isaac and I, we just celebrated our anniversary this fall and we've been married six years. So um, they didn't have any kids. They were married seven years and then the dude dies. So like they were at the beginning of their lives. He dies and in that culture, if you had a husband who died and you didn't have any kids, you don't have any family, no kingsmen, redeemers, whatever, like you're kind of screwed. I mean, in that culture, it's, it's a really big bummer and it would destroy your life. It's not like here where you're like, I'm my own woman. I'm gonna make my life for myself. That's not the way that their culture worked. And so basically at that point, this girl moved it, either she moved into the temple or she moved in near the temple and she spent her entire life, imagine this, she spent her entire life in the temple worshiping the Lord and spending time with him, fasting and praying and talking to Jesus. I mean, to not Jesus yet. Um, talking to, uh, to God this whole time. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Nope. He was the word, but she wasn't it's the wholeness of the Trinity, not just Jesus. Anyway, anyway, so, <laughs> calm down, John. Um, so, let me just look at my notes here for a second. Okay, so we need to learn, basically, okay, I got it now. Okay, so we can gain some wisdom because these people were old, but they didn't, like Abraham and Sarah, find a way to sidestep what the promise of God, the fulfillment of it. And so, um, basically, let's take a look at them one at a time. So starting with Simeon, um, how did he wait for the Lord so well for all those years? and I'm gonna reveal it to you right here. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple when his parents brought the child Jesus to do to him according to the custom of the law. 
Basically, Simeon was a dude who was in step with the Holy Spirit. I mean, this guy walked with the Holy Spirit. Other versions said that he was told by the Spirit to go to the temple. And he was walking in step every day with what the Holy Spirit was saying until he was an old dude. I mean, and in that time, the Holy Spirit being on people was really rare. I mean, it did not happen to everyone. We're so lucky and so blessed that not only can the Holy Spirit rest on us, but the Holy Spirit lives in us. And that's an amazing gift that they did not have back then. But Simeon had the Holy Spirit resting on him, and he was walking in step with the Holy Spirit. So that's something that we can gain from Simeon. Um, And we have the ability to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. I mean, if Simeon could do it, who was before Jesus died, was crucified, and gave the Holy Spirit to all of us, ascended to heaven so that way we could have the Holy Spirit. If Simeon could walk in step with the Holy Spirit, we can walk in step with the Holy Spirit. It's possible. So the second thing I want to point out is from Anna. Um, This woman knew heartbreak. How many of you feel like you know heartbreak in this room? Do you guys know heartbreak? Because Anna knew heartbreak. This woman, Anna, she was a widow. And she was a widow with a lot of unfulfillment in her life. I mean, can you imagine? You grow up, you finally find the person you want to spend your life with, and then you guys just get started in life and he dies or she dies. That would be miserable. Can you imagine the pain that she must have felt to have her spouse die? All those broken dreams, no kids. And what did she do with her heartbreak? Verse 37 said that she never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. And this is something that I really want you guys to understand from the life of Anna. She took her pain of what she felt, and she poured it on the feet of her Savior. She poured it on the feet of God. And that's something I want you guys to to know, is that um, if you guys want to learn to wait well, you guys need to worship. You guys need to be praying and fasting and spending time with the Lord. When we worship, and I don't mean just like sing whatever is on the screen and, you know, try to sing well and do your thing, but I mean like worshiping, pouring out your heart to the Lord. When we do that, then our hearts become awakened. It's something inside of us, I can't explain it, But when we worship the Lord, something in us comes alive, and it relieves that pain when we're we're waiting for something. When we worship the Lord and we pour out our hearts to him, there's a reprieve that comes with worship. And so um, the one thing that makes waiting bearable is to stay in step with the Holy Spirit where there's true fulfillment. I mean, there's so much fulfillment in just walking in step with him. And that's something I forgot to say with Simeon, is that he was fulfilled with walking in step with the Holy Spirit because there's something about being known. Holy Spirit is that relationship. And Holy Spirit, if you guys don't know it, in the Bible it says that he's the great comforter, meaning if you want comfort from your pain, the Holy Spirit is the great comforter. That's, there's no comfort outside of the Holy Spirit. And so at least no true comfort. But um, so it's walking in step with the Holy Spirit and then worshiping the Lord, pouring out our hearts to him are the ways that we can learn to wait well. So let's get back to little teenage Caitlin. Okay, 
eventually, can I just say eventually, I found friends. Thank God. Yeah, friends. But uh, real friends, and I didn't, I, I, I feel like I did that season well to the best of my ability where I waited, but there was a lot of pain in it. But I came out on the other side, and God really did provide for me friends who loved me, who cared for me, who loved Jesus, and who asked me questions about my life, like not just surfacey questions, but asked me real questions about my life. Um, and to this day, I still have really good friends. I mean, I've gone through, I think, one season that's comparable to the season in high school, but I've never had a problem with having friends like I did during that season. And I really feel like it's a fulfillment of what God told me, that he would give me good friends. And so, um, but I was tested for years before I found it. I mean, it was from when I was a freshman in high school until when I was a senior in high school. That was my whole high school experience that I was kind of wandering and trying to find friends, trying to find people who actually love me. Um, and God gave me that word, but it was tested. I mean, it was like he told me that thing, and then I spent my whole high school years kind of looking like an idiot because I didn't have any real friends. And sometimes those dreams that he puts in our heart, sometimes that word that he puts in our heart gets tested. And it gets tested for a while. Um, and it's not because the dream isn't worth it or that maybe he's on the fence about giving it to us or whatever, but he's trying to refine our character because God cares more about our character and who we are than he does about just this instant gratification about getting us whatever the heck we want. Because the thing is that he wants to give us what we want, but he's gonna give us what we need. So Simeon and Anna are beautiful examples of what it looks like to wait for those dreams and promises well. Um, I just wanted to, to tell you guys um, this Proverbs, and I'm gonna read it out of the Passion Translation. Every translation is good from this one, truly. But I'm just gonna read it out of this one because it was said a little bit differently. But Proverbs 13, 12 said, when hope's dream seems to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. But when at last your dreams come true, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. Um, so I just wanted to put this into action. McKenna, can you pass these out? And Anna, can you grab these and pass them out on your side too? I'll kind of split them in half, but I'm gonna keep one. And we're gonna start to put this in action. Gregory, can you go ahead and play the keys for me? So we're gonna start to put this in action, um, what it looks like to walk in step with the Holy Spirit and what it looks like to worship the Lord. And so Gregory's gonna play the keys and we're gonna read this psalm. And listen, here's the deal, you guys. Um, I know this psalm is written down on paper and this isn't even the full psalm. It's all very beautiful, but um, I want you guys to know that this isn't just words. This is God's breathed word. This is inspired by God and God can talk to you through these words. So I want you guys to take a second, stop talking to your friends, stop being on the phone. I'm serious, you guys. You guys want to sit here and really soak in what this word is because I really feel like this is God. So go ahead and look at your words on the page. And I want you guys to position your heart in worship, um, to stay in step with what the Holy Spirit is saying. Maybe you've been trying to find loopholes in life. Maybe you take your, what your parents say, maybe it's your parents, 
Maybe you try to take what they say and you try to find loopholes in it to, make, to get what you want. Um, maybe you're like Abram and Sarah. You're looking for what God didn't say and trying to make things happen by yourself. Or maybe you're growing weary. You know, maybe you haven't compromised what God's told you, but you're tired of the disappointment. Waiting for things to happen, just like Anna did, you pour your heart out and worship to the Lord. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Yeah, I'll read it. Okay. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they will soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they will soon wither. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust in him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper, for it leads only to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear. Though you look for them, they will be gone. The lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. So I just wanted to take a second to, if you guys wanted to get a pen and highlight whatever stands out to you and just really take some time to just meditate on the word, meaning chew on it, meaning read it again and again, just like a cow chews on a cud, and just keep, um, keep in step. This is how you keep in step with the Holy Spirit, is you read what he says, you meditate on it, and you let it become your life. You live the life that the Holy Spirit and God is setting out in front of you. And so just take a second to read this by yourselves and tend to worship the Lord. And then I'll pray us out at the end.
God, um, I just thank you so much. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for um, being born and, and living a life fully man and dying on the cross and, and giving us your Holy Spirit. God, everything that you did in your life was not just in step with the Holy Spirit, but it was for us. God, you lived your life for us. And God, um, we have people like Anna and Simeon that have gone before us who, who've loved you with their whole lives, who've poured their hearts out to you when they felt weariness, who poured their hearts out to you when they felt heaviness or they felt brokenness. When their lives really sucked, they ran to you. And I just pray that... Um, that we would find ourselves worshiping you, that we would find ourselves in step with the Holy Spirit, that we would run to you when our lives are, you know, when, when it's a crap hole. God, I, I just pray that that time would be found in you. God, um, there is, is no real comfort outside of you. There is nothing that can satisfy our souls like being in your presence and being in step with you. And that's why Abraham and Sarah did not have peace after they had Ishmael. It's because they, did, they weren't in step with your Holy Spirit. And God, I just pray that we would find ourselves in your presence and that we would find you in us. And God, um, I, just, I pray that we would know that it's attainable, that it's possible. God, that we're not too messed up for you to live in us, that you want to dwell in us and you want to change us and make us more like you. God, um, I just, just pray that for a softness in our hearts, that we would know that you're a God of miracles, that you can exchange our hard hearts for soft ones, that you can change us, that you can make us new and that anything is possible with you. So God, I just pray that we would run to you when our lives suck because we know that you are the God of the impossible, that you can change our situation around and that you can give us peace where we have none. God, I just pray that we would find ourselves with you. God, I just feel like that that's the thing for tonight, that we want to find ourselves in you when we're hurting. And God, I just pray that we would run to you when we don't have a fulfillment of the promises in our lives. In your name, amen. <laughs>